This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Al and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, time to do the podcast. What do you say? We've got the Al is still out. He actually just texted me. He's doing better, feeling better. So there's the uh, Al Dukes update. Uh, yesterday we had Gallo in here. Today we've got Mike Legelman. What's up, Mike? How are you? What's up, Jerry? So let's start this way because it's almost, might even be, what was the date of your wedding? July 1st. It has been a year. So you have hit the one-year mark. Ready for divorce or things good? Well, at this part, and you probably will agree with this, nothing really changes. We don't have kids. Like I was told True. It, it doesn't really change anything until you Bring kids into the mix. Well, and you lived with your girlfriend before you and your wife until you got married, correct? Yeah, for about four years. All right, so oh, so nothing changes then. No, remember, so we moved in together. COVID happened. Things got, you know, things flipped yeah. on their head. The world changed. Things got delayed. So yeah, we had already been living together for a while. That's interesting. We are looking now for a house, which seems like it might be the worst experience in the world. Tough time to buy, right. so it's an odd time to buy. But even still, it can be the most fun, though, too. When you do settle on a place and then you know it's yours, it is fun. I would imagine this will hopefully end with a huge sense of relief when oh, it's Oh, sure. Old. And there's no doubt. When you move, I've moved, I guess, three times. We have we bought the townhouse when we first got married. Then we moved to Brick. So I'm in, I've been in four residences since I've been married. So I'm married now. Uh, I, I guess it was just 24 years. So 24 years, four residences. And I will tell you, I, and this is a loose term, I enjoy moving to the to the point of when everything is new again and you're a new and you're in a new environment. I find it to be I think it's a blast. The issue with moving though is all the crap. Well, is the actual moving part? Oh my I've god. I've moved a couple the times. The moving's easy because the moving company comes in and does everything. Still Aside- gotta pack a lot of stuff up. I I'm someone that yeah. has a lot of stuff. Fine. Here's how you do it. You pick a day, like if moving day is, let's say, uh, let's say you're moving November 1st, just whatever, and you, first thing I would try and do is take a look around and think, how many boxes per room do I think I need? And then figure out the days, pack two boxes a day, and it's easy. It's kind of like, you ever see the Will Smith, there's a motivational piece from from Will Smith when he was doing an interview. It wasn't like he was standing on a podium trying to motivate people. He It was in an interview, and it's now on like social media, you can Google it and it will come up. And Will Smith tells the story of his dad telling him and his brother or his cousin, I forget, to go out there and build like a, um, not a wall. I think it was more a patio, whatever it was. It might have been a wall, like a retaining wall. And they were like, it's too big of a job. And his dad was like, why? Two bricks a day. And in like six months, you got a retaining wall. And it's, it is true. We do that when we move two boxes a day. 
Even if it's 100 days, you got 200 boxes as opposed to waiting and waiting, and then you got to pack the whole place up. Well, it's a perfect philosophy. The last time I moved, I started off doing that. All right, a little a mm-hmm. day, or especially like once I got the week to the weekend, I was working full time. So once I got to the weekend, do a lot on like every a Friday or Saturday. Sure. Then once I stopped, once I missed one, then it starts to pile up, and then then it just seems too daunting to yeah. even jump back in. And now all of a sudden, you've got a major project on right. your hands. But I do think it's fun. If, are you guys at least settled on where you're looking? Yeah, so we um, ended up, we're in Central Jersey. I mean, both from Monmouth County. We're yeah. in like the Woodbridge, Edison area, kind of by Eddie. And we ended up loving that area. We picked it because of convenience, and we're still looking around that area. Okay, so that helps. If you actually have an idea Right, we're not worried live. about, you know, where do we have to move. It's basically yes. looking for, I think we're thinking more townhouse, like you had, you said sure. was your first one. Yes. So it's more looking for townhouses in our area, you know, give or take 15 minutes in any direction. Now, when I first moved in, or my wife moved in with me, the I would say the first, and I'm, I'm curious about you when you go back four years. Now, you had the pandemic to deal with, too, so that throws another, I mean, monkey wrench into the whole thing. But when we never argued, ever, when we were dating and then we got engaged, and when we bought the townhouse, I was supposed to be in the townhouse about three months before we got married. I was, And I had never lived alone because I went from my house to this townhouse. And I didn't go away to college. I commuted and all that. So I had three months before we were getting married. And I remember about four days after I moved in, knock on the door, and it was her. And she's got bags. And I was like, oh, what, what's, what's this? She goes, you know what? My parents said, why am I waiting? I should just move in. Because we were 25, you know. I'm like, where? Here. We just bought the place. I'm like, okay. So there went my three months that I was going to live on my own for the first time. And we almost killed each other the first 10 days. Like, little things drove me nuts. Uh, little things I did drove her nuts. The way things were folded drove me crazy. The way it, it was unbelievable, that 9, 10. And then ever since then, it's been fine. Did you have that at all when of you first moved in? Of course we did. Now, I think it both helped that, like, we both had dealt with plenty of roommates, like, in college. Okay. And some really bad ones for mm-hmm. both of us. So, kind of like, anything that happened, no matter, there's nothing she could have done that would have been worse than what I dealt with some of the roommates in college and me vice versa. But of course we had stuff that popped up that was annoying. Like there's always little things like you, you don't even think, you know, you know the stuff that you like and don't like, then there's stuff that you don't even realize, Oh, I have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. And still it starts popping up every day. And then you realize, Oh, I, I kind of hate that. Yeah. But thankfully we, you know, especially now it's been four years. We've moved through almost all that. Although I'll say, because she might listen to this, she definitely would like for me to be a little bit, uh, more active in the cleaning department. You're a slob. No, I'm not a slob, but I don't know. I'm also a man. Like the sweeping and the vacuuming. Like I just, I don't. See, like, I don't. I don't. My wife does. Not that it, I but think I don't she mind. should do it. I just don't want. To. I don't want to do it. Right. I would just hire me. Like I'm not going to tell her to do it. I'm just going to say like, yeah. Hey, also, as the person with no sense of smell, there's a lot of stuff oh. that around. The, like there are times where if the garbage is in the, in the can for a while, she's like, really needs to be taken out. It smells bad. I'm like, I. That the, smells I'll, I'll fine do it. to me. That literally means nothing to me. That is amazing that you have no sense of smell. That's fascinating. And never have. So like, there's there's people popping up nowadays because they lost it with COVID. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're going through like a loss or an adjustment for me. Again, just the words mean nothing. So to you me. can't smell perfume on her. Absolutely nothing. Wow. Food, good, bad. Like I base food on like texture, temperature, what Not it looks taste. like. Well, I so I always get asked this: Do you taste? I taste what I taste. I don't know what anybody else tastes. I don't know what anything else is supposed to taste like. I it, my taste buds taste what they taste. That is something. But even the, even like to walk into an Italian restaurant or 
or whatever type of restaurant. Oh, you, well, we did, I mean, we were just in Italy and people, oh, it smells so great. The pizza, nothing. the salt, you know, go to a movie theater, oh, the popcorn. I'm like, yeah, no, fantastic. And, and you've never How had wonderful it. for all You've you. never had a sense of never. smell. Wow. Well, I realized you don't know, then you don't know. I was in the car with my whole family. We were driving somewhere. This was in Jersey. Grew up in Brooklyn, but we came to Jersey a lot. My mom's whole family was here. And at one point, they just all start freaking, oh, oh, God, what is that? Well, I was like, what, like what's, I started freaking out. What's going on? Yeah. There was a skunk. And then there was another time. You ever been to uh, the Lilo and Stitch ride in Disney? Uh, sure, I do know of it. At yes. one point, Stitch like farts and they right. put a bad smell out there. So we're in there. It's one of those, I think, 4D. So it's dark. People have the glasses on. Jerry, every single person in this auditorium, 100, 200 people, how many? Oh, freaking out. Oh, my God, what is that? And I i freaked out. I jumped. I grabbed my mom's arm. She was next to me just to ask her why going on? literally every other person in the room yeah. is losing their mind because I have no idea. That's wild. I guess if you never had it, you don't know what you're missing. Right. That's why, like, I'll joke, but, but it's fine because it really, it means not, like, I have no idea what I'm yeah, missing. Yeah, no, I get It's like, right. It's like if you're born blind, you don't know any better. Right. And if, yeah, man. All right. Well, that's interesting. Anyway. To go back to your point, though, about the living together, and then we'll move on. The one thing, 24 years married now, that I still do. My wife, so when we used to have the the washer and dryer, I used to wash clothes. I no issue washing clothes. I don't, no issue at all. We bought these new washers and dryers. She doesn't let me touch them anymore, which is fine. But 24 years later, when she uh, does the laundry, I hate the way she folds socks. So the socks go into the drawer. I go upstairs and I put them the way I want them. It's funny because some people like are cleaning or vacuuming, whatever it is. I like doing my own laundry. I mean, it stinks okay. to have to commit the time to it, but like I fold my clothes yeah, a certain time? way. I've just I've been doing it forever, so I'm particular about that. So I'll just stick with doing my own. You ever think about what it was like doing laundry 200 years ago? Yes. Every time I go somewhere and you see a clothesline still yeah. hanging out, like oh, that's another one. The struggle that it used to be, you know, having to reel the whole thing yes. in one item at a time. We used to do when I was a kid. My mom did that in the summer. I'm sure my parents did as children, yeah. too, growing up in Brooklyn we had in a the clothesline. 60s and 70s. Yes. Yeah. We absolutely had a clothesline. And I, when I was little, like, I don't remember as I got older, that went away. But as a kid living in, uh, I guess, our second house, they're 100% my mom. In the summertime, we had a clothesline. No doubt. And that's like, if I did that now, I think my kids would think I was nuts if I put a line outside. Right. Like, and your two you clothes doing? pins, you're hanging yes. it up. Right. The, the air dries it, not the machine. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, so different. And, and just, and we're not even talking about a hundred years ago. You're talking for me. I'm f- uh, 49. I would say my mom when I was probably so 40 years ago. It we is funny though you that. say that because there's stuff that like happened five, ten years before I was born, mm-hmm. and then there's st- things that were outdated a hundred years before you sure. were born. It all seems like ancient history to you because if it didn't happen in your life and you don't happen. have a frame of reference for it. Yeah. It might as well be a thousand years ago. Yeah. Well, that's where you see too online a lot of um, a lot of these videos where they'll put like a rotary phone in front of a kid, uh, a floppy. How disc. do you use this? Right. Or a floppy right. disk. What is this for? Or an old radio. Right. Like what? Uh, they'll see a plug. What do I do with it? You plug it in. Then what? I like, have no concept of what a regular transistor radio is or a radio that needs batteries. Then what? It's just if you didn't deal with it, how would you know? Right. So it's pretty wild. All right. What else you got? So uh, did you see this news story in Alabama? Not yet. That's the the start of that? No. Okay. So there was a man who was proposing to his fiance, who's a news reporter down in Alabama. A a bent penis? No. Okay. But so he got the people at the news station involved, like to create like a bit like a fake story. So the 
they'll get her there. He proposes. They centered it around. They created a fake domestic disturbance to get her to the spot. This call, she's meeting with authorities. It ended with a person in a lake because he had to get her to the spot on the lake with the camera crew and everybody. And then he proposes. My first thought reading this is, you couldn't think of any other possible news story in small town Alabama that could get somebody to a lake. You know, woman celebrating 109th birthday, family taking her to the lake. Like, that's... That's what you guys landed on, yeah, and everybody in the news department, nobody speaks up and says, you know, we could probably come up with something else. Or they couldn't. Literally anything else. Or they couldn't. I, I thought you were going to give I've me I've only this. spent 30 seconds on it. I feel like we already can't. There could be one. There has to be one idea. Of course there is. I like the 109-year-old woman. Right, what, anything. That's actually pretty good. The Oh, there's the guy getting hit in the, with the replay. Um I thought you were going to bring up the story of the P, because it wasn't Alabama, though, but there was a couple that just got married. And the um, they were supposed to celebrate by jumping in the pool together, and they ran. And then as soon as she jumped, he peeled off and made her jump in the pool by herself. With what her, a great way to start the marriage! On. I know. And she's wearing the gown, and he's ha 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 ha. You, you jackass! This is after the vows. Yeah, I think so. So you just make all those vows about commitment and everything, yes. and then, and then, then he jumped in the pool. Like, Whoa, you know what? Never mind. I'm out. Uh, not me. I don't think so. But like at that were... point, if you're hard, don't you go get the marriage annulled? Nah, you're not getting the marriage annulled, but you're pissed. And, oh, speaking of the marriage getting annulled, now, I didn't read this story, but this is a headline. I want to make sure I have it before I do it because then people will yell at me if if I read it somewhere wrong. I mm, Let's see here. So I'm going to say man gets divorced. No, asks for divorce. Okay. You ready for the ending of this? Yeah, after, it seems pretty normal so far. So far. After wife denies him sex on his wedding night. Okay, that. But even then, like I said, my first thought then, and I don't. This is probably weird. That's an annulment, isn't that right? In the window, like I learned from watching Friends with Ross and Rachel, you got a couple days. Here it is. Right, you get a return policy. Right. Revolting husband demands divorce after bride refuses sex on wedding night. This was in uh, in Sydney, Australia. A bride details the horrifying moment her groom asked her for a divorce the morning after they got married. Um, she said that he had asked for sex on their wedding night, but was furious because he didn't get what he wanted. Uh, the following morning, she said he demanded a divorce, eventually causing the newlyweds, newlyweds to officially separate just two. So they did. So they separated two weeks after getting married. I'm sure they'll be able to reconcile that. If you need to ask for a separation two days after, you guys are made for long term. I was not married even 24 hours before my husband wanted a divorce and we separated two weeks later. The night of the wedding, we went out and we got back to the hotel room. Unfortunately, I didn't give him what he wanted. Uh, this led him. Let's see. Dee, 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 dee. I oh, she says we were tired and I didn't want to. And the next day, he wanted a divorce. Wow, that's got to be a record for fastest separation. That is, that's pretty quick. And then thinking back, so thinking back to another marriage story, the one you brought up, the woman and the man in the pool. There's no way he got laid that night, right? <laughs> He wouldn't jump in the pool. Then they go back to the room after the reception, well, how and the he's re- asking, well, there's no on, how, way. How'd the reception go? That's See, that's where you got How her. quickly can you recover from that? She's soaking wet. She's in the pool, wedding dress, wet, and he's out there, and he's just, you know, if she committed totally to normal, it, dry. If she committed to it and was into the idea, she can be pissed that he didn't jump in, but she already expected to jump in with the dress. 
The question would be, did they have a blast, have some drinks, and forget about it, or was she just furious the rest of the day? I mean, he I don't he would have needed to put in some serious effort at the reception. Yeah, I agree. To win her in the same That's night. That's a rough one. Talk, you were talking about he's got five or six hours to make that go away. Also, is he a prankster? Like, is that the type of guy she married and she knew that? That's a fair question. Because so that, if that's his personality, that to my wife, then that's hilarious. Right. If you did that to your wife, probably wouldn't go well. No, not Would at not all. go well for me and my wife I mean, wife she either. would never agree to jump in a pool like that anyway. But if we had agreed to, and there were times where I will joke around, but I even know, like, yeah, there's a limit to how far. And that one, for oh, sure. crossing the line and then running back over it a few times. That There's no way that would fly. It is funny, though, when you think about, like, that one you were talking about in the lake in Alabama. This one, and I don't know where this was. This was in Australia. It is funny or intriguing to think about all the different customs and different parts of not only the United States, but the world, about the way people act and their behavior, what some people think are funny, other people think are stupid, and how we look at one another. What do you think is the thing about we both live in Jersey, work in New York, the strangest thing others and maybe the country or the world think about us? Like what we that do that people think is the weirdest. That we're rude. I think most people think people from New York, New Jersey are rude, um, poor-speaking Americans. You know, like that dumb Italian, forget about all that crap. I think that we're like, I think people look at us as um, just goons. That's what I think. That's probably it. I mean, I, I rude don't, is probably definitely like, it's the thing that jumps to the top of mind of how what the world thinks of yeah. us. But I wonder if, like, that's not, like, something bizarre. Like, we think about how... I don't know that, but I don't know that there's like anything... Like, in Florida, there's things you think of. In the Deep South, there's things you think well, of that are... All right, so... Like, rude you, is just if rude. You ask listen, me about if you get in our way, we will be rude. If you ask me about Florida, the first thing I think of is a Florida man did something stupid. Right. That's what I think. You mentioned Alabama, and it's just it's a stereotype. I think really deep Southern accent, uh, accent and not that bright. Right, For like, no like reason other than stereotype. About. Not a... Not a Bad idea, just not really fully fleshed out. Yeah. With this is a good proposal yes. idea. You got most of the way there. You kind of didn't stick the. What land. about someone living in Texas? What would you think? I think a guy holding a, a gun and I think of a cowboy. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, someone in California. Uh, I mean, probably I would start with Southern California. Well, I'm thinking it because today we did the the hand gesture yeah, yeah. with the cameraman, mm-hmm. so I would think, like, surf's up, dude, Calabunga. Okay. Hang that's loose. Southern California. Only because CeeLo yeah. and I did that, like, seven times today. That's fair. But that's Southern California ocean. I get that. I would, yeah, I would say they think we're goons. That's what yeah, I you're think. you're probably right. Rude goons. We're rude. We're obnoxious. We're yeah. unapproachable. Obnoxious. That's even a better one. I would buy like, that. And yet, like, like, we th- like, we think we're better. And yet, when you go around the country... It is funny. Most people are very nice, even here. Well, that's the thing. I would agree with you that people are nice in other places. But listen, I've seen some really wonderful acts of kindness and people being incredibly nice to each other in New York City in really stressful times. So it is true of other places. It's just true of the people here as well. Yeah, it's true everywhere. The problem is the bad ones really ruin it for everyone. And here's where I'll agree with maybe what New Yorkers in New Jersey have that the rest of the country doesn't. Our Balls. people who are rude, whatever, no, we're loud. So oh, it's, very loud. it sticks out. Well, that's part of because the Because the rudeness here will stick out in a but way that's because... that's the goon mentality. And it's abrasive. It's in your face. I agree. I agree. That is true. Um, 
Yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know about other parts of the country. Like if I thought about like Minnesota, I think gullible. Why? Why would I think gullible? Cuz I saw Fargo, which isn't even it was isn't even Minnesota, but that it's that type of mentality I think of for that region. But that's not fair. No, and like I would pro- I mean there's so many states in the middle of the country where I would just all throw in that. I mean the southern states kind of all looped into one. Maybe, right. Maybe separate for Texas. And Florida, yeah, Alabama, Alabama to Tennessee, seem, Missouri. Just see, I don't, I disagree. Kentucky, I think Alabama, Louisiana, like those two, I kind of tie together. But if you tell me Tennessee and Alabama, I don't think the same. I don't know why. I don't, I maybe because I've been to Tennessee and it's not like right. that. And also, I, like, I've been to Nashville, which is as big a city as yeah. anywhere else I've been to. Yeah. And it's got people from all over the place now. Right. It's almost like people move there. They are. It's one of the fastest growing cities in the world. Who was the baseball player that just bought their offseason home there? Oh, come on. I just saw it. Was it Bryce Harper? I think it was Bryce Harper. It wouldn't surprise me. I was there five years ago, and there was construction everywhere. Yeah. One of my closest friends lives down there, and it's just how much construction and building they've done over the last few years. Everybody's going down there. There you go. Bryce Harper set to move his family to Knoxville, not Nashville, but he's moving to Tennessee too in a growing trend. Yeah. Right, and he's not from there. No, I don't know. He's, he's not. He's from at Southern all. California. Wasn't not he like all. a San Diego guy? Maybe and was Trout Fassler. was from South Jersey, correct? Yeah, because Trout, he's not from Philly, but he's a big Philly guy. But he's a Philly guy, guy he's because South he's Jersey. that Cherry Hill area yeah, 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 yeah. way down south. So there you go. All right. Do you see uh, Central Jersey, where we live? It's where? A, it's about to be declared real because there's that whole real? battle. Yeah, well, people say there's no real Central Jersey. You're either north or south. Oh, stupid. And we know enough from living wow. there. There is a very clear Central Jersey that is. exists. And, yeah, I, I don't know if it's there's a central the governor or whatever, the but state. they're declaring Central Jersey as a real place. So we're getting uh, some recognition. I live in Central Jersey, and so do you. Uh, all right, good job. Uh, we'll do it again. Th- well, we're not doing this tomorrow. Yeah, but. no, no. Tomorrow, 10.05. Podcast again? For you and uh, not podcast, the warm up show. show with CeeLo, yes. Okay. All right. So you got that tomorrow morning at five, and then Sal and I will join you at six o'clock. Ian one Eagle, last time. And Ian Eagle, the national broadcaster of the year in his annual visit with me and Sal. Because I don't I don't think I'm doing it anymore with Sal this summer with his move to middays. I don't I mentioned that to Ian, so he's gonna come yeah, this, I think geared up, ready to send Sal off deal. in style. It was a big deal and for if, us. I mean, if there's anybody you can count on to deliver oh, and something like that, I love Ian. it is Ian Eagle. He is such a good dude. All right, so him tomorrow at 9. So we got warm-up show at 5, Sal and I at 6, Ian joins us at 9, and then I'm off to Virginia. You're off home, and then Sal's off to somewhere. Uh, all right, you're going to have to do the see you at the end. Uh, warm-up show with you and Lepresti coming up next, like now. Do it. See ya. Dude, no, 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 no. You got to do better than that. That wasn't even intentional for my voice to crack like that. That was horrible. So give me a second here. Yeah. See y'all? Fine. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. and Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Oh, what's up? Good morning, 502. It's definitely not going to suck today because there is a lot to get to, certainly to discuss off a outstanding, dramatic, brilliant, exciting, whatever adjective you want to throw in there, Mets win late last night slash early this morning out in Arizona. You got CeeLo and Fliegelman again on the warm-up show today here on a Thursday. Did I say Wednesday already, by the way? Did I just call it Wednesday before I said Thursday? I feel like I thought it was Wednesday for a second, know, but, but it's not very good. Rascona's I heard Thursday. Here. I heard Thursday. Yeah, you everyone heard Thursday? Okay, good. So Pretty I did sure. not make an early error right out of the gate. Uh, I can, Honestly, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. Uh, all I know is I somehow was awake for all of that last night before doing a little SNY Zoom from my living room slash family room at about uh, 1.15 this morning. So, uh I got a lot of energy, though, Fleegs, and how could you not after watching that Met comeback in the ninth inning? Well, listen, CeeLo, it's a good thing you're not one of these people that scripts out what they're going to say when they're on air because you would have had the whole thing planned out for eight and two-thirds innings of Met offensive futility, and then it turns just at the blink of an eye. So I was not awake for the whole thing. I I mean, who could blame you? Yeah. I woke up at 1 o'clock to watch the game on DVR, so by the time I caught up to the end of it, now because the Mets are doing nothing offensively, Normally, Didn't it takes take like an hour, 15, hour and a half to get through the whole game. I caught up to the top of the ninth inning by like 145, 150. All right, so and you then, weren't that far behind. No, but I was, you know, having to make sure I didn't scream to wake up my wife. I didn't want that to happen. Like, I was, you know, silently fist pumping and, you know, cheering. Like, let go. Like, oh, I mean, that was. I love how, how, can, how can you not? And even, I even listened to Evan Roberts and Pete Hoffman did the. The Rico, the Rico yeah. instant reaction, and I later went back, saw Evan had this on Twitter. I had the same first thought as a Mets fan. All this does is set up a painful loss in the ninth inning. They were going to walk it off. You didn't, you didn't get the feeling the Mets were going to score again. <laughs> oh, it was well, a miracle okay. that they got the well, first that run. that Robertson was going to blow the save. Well, not or just none of that. They'll play the 10th inning. They somehow won't score with the ghost runner, and then they'll lose 2-1-10, to one and 10, whatever it was. <laughs> again, it <laughs> felt like a miracle the Mets got that first run with Alvarez. <laughs> then the Beatty hit, and Mark Canna delivering that big hit, and all yeah. of a sudden... It's weird because as much as I felt that at 1-1, when they went up 2-1, I had no fears that Robertson was going to blow the game. It just it felt like at that point, they're going to do this, they're going to win. And then not only did you get all of that, but then in the bottom half, the ball off Robertson, that goes right to Alonzo. I mean, look, had it gotten by Robertson, I don't know. I'd have to check and see what their alignment was. Like, I don't know if it would have been a hit or an out anyway, but it just goes it's to show, I mean, the, all the, as bad as things were going... 
Some of it, most of it self-inflicted, obviously, but they just seemed like they couldn't get a break or get anything going. As it's not even a, We're not even a week removed yet. Tomorrow we will be from Robertson blowing that Friday game against the Giants where I mean, he just looked dejected afterwards. And here we are, and they've, I'm not going to say completely turned things around, but certainly at least given us a reason to start thinking like maybe there's some hope here. No, they're showing you the signs of life that you needed to see because they weren't going to turn it around in a couple of days. It yeah. was going to be a long road to that. But this is the first step or the first two steps you needed to see towards that. And Gary Cohen even said it when the ball hit off Robertson and went right to, uh, to Pete Alonzo. The Mets' uh, fortunes are starting to turn. Now they're starting to get a couple of those breaks. You're right. A lot of what happened to them was self-inflicted. But it feels like you know when you're getting eight or nine things wrong, the tenth always just happens to you. I can't think of how many times this year, but it might be more than one handful. Just, uh, line drive off Justin Verlander. That's just one pitcher, and the ball ends up in no man's land. Or you know, a Met hits a ball off of somebody off the pitcher's glove. It goes right to the shortstop. They get a force out at second, something like that. Things have not been going the Mets' way. So you play a little bit better baseball. Alvarez gets the big hit. Canna gets the next big hit after eight brilliant innings from Kodai Senga. And then when the Mets need a little bit of a break to go their way in the bottom of the ninth, it happens. And just those three at-bats. I mean, look, Alvarez, he had the the issue with the umpire with the call. He was obviously uh, outwardly emotional and emphatic about it. And he hung in there, a couple foul balls, and then he goes opposite field. Then all of a sudden you got Beatty working a tough at-bat against the lefty and finds a way to get a ball through. And then Canna, I love the opposite field. And I always I always say that. We talked about it yesterday with uh, Harrison Bader's double down the line. You had Volpe go opposite field for the Yankees last night. When you see these, I mean, Canna's not a young guy, but when you see young hitters showing sort of that patience and that confidence and that maturity in the box late in the game in a big spot and being able to stay on a ball and take it the opposite field. I mean, that that kind of stuff really gets you going. Everyone loves the pulled, jacked home run that goes 450 feet on a hanger, but when you hit a hitter's pitch the opposite field and you win a tight game, it just seems like it adds a little, a little extra juice to it. Yeah, it's a positive sign to see from any hitter, and I don't know about you, but again, it's only a four-game win streak. There's still six games under 500. A long way to go, yeah. But it felt like that team, that win counted for more than just one for that team and that clubhouse. The way they celebrated with what they went through. You know, they win the game on the 4th of July. They have a little win streak going, but then the bats go completely silent right. as if almost they didn't show up for the game for the first eight and two-thirds. And two strikes. Chafin gets the first <laughs> two outs on four pitches, and then he has two strikes on Alvarez. Yeah. It felt like this game was over and I'm thinking, how am I going to kill the next hour and a half before I have to leave for work? I'm up in the middle of the night. And it felt like for that team, just watching them celebrate, watching Canna go nuts and what he's mouthing back to the dugout when he's on third base after the triple, that felt like a big yeah. load off of their back. And Alvarez was, like, possessed. No, well, he, also he, rounding this kid the bases has some incredible and, celebrations. Yeah, well, look, I mean— He's it, running backwards. He, he Yeah, running backwards, you know, flexing. And, and I, what I like there is I don't mind it, young player, especially it's towards his teammate in his dugouts, you know, his dugout. Right, he's, he's not, not showing up anybody else. Right, exactly. So, look, I'm sure that some of the Diamondback players might feel a little differently, but, you know, what are you going to do? You can't take that away from him in that spot. And this—I uh, forget where— who had this, but just to show, look, he's been impactful. We know that if you just look at the numbers on the surface. Nine of his 15 homers in the sixth inning or later. Seven of them have tied the game or given the Mets a lead. And three others he hit when the Mets were clinging to a one-run lead. So that's what? Uh, 
That's, you know, the majority of the home runs. I mean, the impact of them, not the, hey, I hit a solo homer when we were up or down five or six, you know, in the fourth inning or whatever, something along those lines. So, I mean, look, is he a finished product? No. Obviously, there's a ways to go, but the the age, the responsibility on both sides of the ball, veteran pitching staff, you've had some guys in and out. Obviously, they've had some struggles and ineffectiveness, and it seems like he's been able to handle it all and is almost kind of becoming like uh, the heartbeat of the team a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this was the 21-year-old rookie that gave them that moment in early July, and he's had a couple of them this season. Obviously, he had the tying home run against Tampa Bay that started their winning streak back you know, now a month and a half ago. He's had those moments. You had that uh, stat with the home runs and kind of how clutch they've been. By the way, send that to Evan because he said on the Rico that he's going to go through and track all the home runs from Alvarez oh, and figure out the situation. Yeah. yeah, so send it to that for him <laughs> so he can save like 20 minutes. But Sarah Lang's had this one. He now has five game-tying or go-ahead home runs in the sixth inning or later, most in baseball. And he's a 21-year-old rookie catcher. It's remarkable. And like you were saying, defensively is maybe where he's been even more impressive because we were told he was going to be this at the plate, this power-hitting catcher. Defensively, you know, he's complaining about the umpire and the called second strike, and he mentioned it in his post-game after the game. Like the home run was kind of to tell him that wasn't a strike. (laughs) His pitch framing is off the charts, too. He stole a strike. I think it was a 2-0 pitch early in the game. And it's a low pitch. He brings it back up. It's a called strike. And they show the shot of uh, Lavulo in the Diamondbacks dugout, like, rolling his eyes. Like, come on. Like, that's that's multiple inches low. Uh, this kid has just been everything you could want. And for a Mets fan base that is really not used to rookies showing up like this, obviously you have Pete Alonso and the rookie record for home runs four years ago. But on the whole, Mets fans think top prospects, and they think guys who disappointed. Alvarez, at 21 years old, I mean, this looks like it's only the beginning for him. You know, what happens when he figures more out and he's not hitting all this power with a two twenty average because he can go the other way. He is great behind the plate. He is great with a veteran pitching staff. Kodai Senga still adjusting to Major League Baseball gives you his best start of the season. Eight brilliant innings makes one mistake. That's with Francisco Alvarez behind the plate. Yeah, I even said, you know, we hours of this morning on SNY, and the question was posed, what's the bigger takeaway, the Alvarez home run or Sang? I mean, look, the Alvarez home run obviously changes the course of the game. So in a, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a, what's the word I'm looking for? In a vacuum. There we go. That was it. I was thinking silo for a second. I don't think that would have worked. In a vacuum, obviously that's a huge part of this individual win. But when I look at the way Sanga pitched, I mean, I feel like, long-term rest of the season, that's a big sign. Like, I get it. He pitched on two extra days of rest again. They're going into the All-Star break, so he's going to have some extra time off. But I just, there seemed to be, like, more of a a confidence and, a, like, a demonstrative nature about him last night. Not just, in the, look, and you breeds in success. So when you go eight innings and give up just one home run on a hanger and you strike out 12, obviously you're going to feel good about yourself. But pumping it, he added up to 99 on the radar gun, in the in the eighth after the, or in the top of the ninth when Alvarez hits the home run he's one of the most demonstrative guys celebrating the dugout he's banging on the on the uh, the dugout railing there so I just thought that that was I don't want to say like his arrival or coming out moment but I think that there's like a lot to take away there as you move forward and look maybe they're going to have to find a way to sort of manipulate the rotation to give him that extra time he seems more comfortable that way I know Buck also made the point hey he's pitching indoors last night maybe a little bit of comfort level there because that's what he did in Japan but I mean if the team is going to make a turnaround we knew that the pitching overall was going to have to be better 
Scherzer, for the most part, outside of the Braves, the start against the Braves and the start against the Yankees has been pretty solid. Yeah, he gave up the three solo homers the other night. Uh, I feel like Verlander is coming along a little bit. If Sanga can turn into a guy that they can really rely upon, the numbers, we talked about it yesterday, the numbers have been fine, but you didn't really have like that over-the-top performance. And you get the depth in this one, too. And if you can get those three guys going, you have something there. And he had like one great start before this, but it was different because that started against the Phillies. Remember, Nimmo has to rob the home run in that. Right. There were times where uh, where Senga was in more trouble than he was on Wednesday night. He had maybe that one first inning where he's given up soft hits, you know, not not nothing any uh, really that hard, a bloop there, and he gets out of trouble. And then from that moment, he looked as locked in, and you mentioned confident as we've seen him. It wasn't his arrival moment, but it was a big step forward. Right. Senga, for all intents and purposes, is a rookie. And how we talk about for Alvarez, for Anthony Volpe with the Yankees, there are kind of these benchmark moments where you know you clear the next checkpoint and then you move on. That is what I think last night was for Kodai Senga. This big confidence. He was able to last eight innings in a Major League Baseball game. Yeah, he had the extra rest and he was indoors, but this is still against a very potent lineup that scores a lot of runs. The, uh, the only team in baseball that hasn't been shut out this year, and they end up, of course, not getting shut out, but for almost seven innings, he is shutting them out. This is a team that's in first place in a really good division, and he goes in and he dominates them like that. That's just a big step forward for him. Hopefully, they can maybe manipulate the rotation with the extra rest, or you know, as he starts to pitch on regular rest, maybe you know once a month and once every two weeks, he'll adjust. He'll have to get there at some point, but he's taking those progressive steps that you want to see from a guy in his first year in the big leagues. He is not going backwards. He's taking leaps forward. And by the way, you remember on the morning show, I don't know if it was yesterday, it might have been two days ago, with Sal and Jerry, we were joking about how the Mets don't have anybody in the top 50 in ERA. Right. Well, that's what we're looking but at But Senga was only three yeah. innings short, so yeah. once now that he skyrocketed with eight innings yesterday, where do you want to guess he ranks now between one and 50 now that he has cleared the innings benchmark? I would say top 25. You're right, 21. Yeah. And he's got to be, what is he now, at like 3-3? Three, 3-3-1 three, three? Three, ERA yeah. in 89 and two-thirds innings. That's yeah. that's not bad for a guy pitching his first season. If, again, if, if Kodai Senga was doing that, and Scherzer and Verlander were what the Mets thought they would be, and Jose Quintana was pitching, yeah. and now this is their hope for the second half, then that's a team that could start to look a whole lot more like last year's that won 101 games. Senga gives you a season-high 107 pitches. Buck even, and I don't know how serious he was. It's easy to say after they, they get the win and everyone's feeling great, but he's like, oh, I kind of flirted with maybe I want to send him back out there for the ninth, which I don't think any of us expected once they got the lead that that was going to happen. Though Robertson did pitch the night before, and we talked about on yesterday's show, they sort of had that hairy situation, him getting out of the bases loaded jam. So like That's the other aspect of this is not just the winning streak, but... You know, I think that last week when things really kind of hit the fan, mistakes in the field, mistakes on the base paths, they just looked they looked dead and buried. And I think a lot of us felt like, okay, it's over. And some teams do basically just pack it in, and they don't really have that extra gear. So not just the way they're winning the games, but they've had a couple instances where it looked like, hey, it could have gone south with the bullpen again, certainly in the opener of this series on July 4th. And now all of a sudden a game where, like you said, the offense is doing nothing, and instead of just going meekly there in the ninth inning, it was close. Like you said, first two guys on whatever, four or five pitches, and that's where it's hard to – it's really hard to overstate how significant the Alvarez at bat was, at least right now. I mean, look, if they go out and lose the next three games, who cares? But um, – 
when you've got your 21-year-old rookie in there and he puts that type of at bat forward, you could see the trickle-down effect it had on the rest of the guys. And I think if it was, I mean, think if it was like if McNeil was the guy that happened to hit the home run, I don't know that it would have had the same effect and impact on the life and the energy of the rest of the team, not just in that inning, but in the bottom of the ninth as well. Listen, they they needed a moment to quote a, a good pal of ours, and they got it. And <laughs> with Alvarez being the guy that hits the home run, and then Beatty, another rookie with the hit right after that sets up Canna's go-ahead, ultimately winning triple, I don't think it's a coincidence that this team of veterans, and the veterans are the guys who, by and large, are disappointing or not giving you the seasons that you expect, even in the game yesterday. Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil combined for 0, 6, 0 for 16 with a walk that Nimmo gets in the ninth inning. That's atrocious. And the McNeil, Lindor, and Alonzo at bats were just disgusting. They're going up there. Pete's swinging out of his shoes. They have no idea what's going on at the plate. For a team of veterans that are struggling and are maybe used to being more successful, it's a nice shot in the arm that the two kids remind them in the top of the ninth inning, hey, this team has a load of talent. We're capable. You know, maybe burn some of that stress away. We're going to give you a win, and then the rest of you can hopefully take off and get things going here. You mentioned their quartet going 0 for 16, having a rough night. Same story for the Yankees, for their guys going 0 for 15, but they, of course, don't get the win because the bullpen had a rare off night for the Yankees, so we'll dive into them a little bit uh, on the other side of the break when we come back. Also, a scary moment in the Bronx last night that had, I could not believe the trickle-down effect uh, and how this how how widespread this became with this uh, cameraman that got hit with the wild throw. Uh, there's a Mets tie to it. Seems like everybody in baseball knows this guy, which is kind of a cool story, especially since it seems like he's going to be okay. So all of that ahead here as we just get it started on a Thursday morning off and running with the warm-up show. Of course, you'll have Jerry and Sal coming up at the top of the hour in for Boomer and Geo, and we're coming right back here on The Fan. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk New York sports with us. 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. All right, 524 on a Thursday morning. We're back here on the warm-up show. You got CeeLo and Sleagleman in for the rest of the week here. Jerry and Sal coming up top of the hour. 
In for Boomer and Geo as we come out of the July 4th holiday. Baseball locals busy and in action all week long. We discussed the uh, big comeback win for the Mets. Exciting ninth inning last night in Arizona. So if you weren't up late, definitely check out the highlights of that or stay with us throughout the course of the morning as we'll uh, break it down for you. In the Bronx, Yankees had a chance to win the first three in their four-game series with the Orioles. And uh, just one of those nights, the Yankee bullpen's been so good. First two games of the series, I think they basically pitched the equivalent of a full game. It was almost nine innings, and they gave it up just the one run, which was Albert Abreu in the ninth inning of Tuesday's game where they were they were up big anyway. So one of those nights where you know Nick Ramirez and Ian Hamilton don't exactly have it. Michael King got touched up for a run as well. Uh, so they lose to Baltimore, and they'll play the finale coming up tonight. Still have a chance to take three out of four uh, from the Orioles. But we talked about, or Fliegelman mentioned, the, the big four for the Mets and their veteran, their stars, not hitting last night, still getting the job done. Sort of the opposite uh, result for the Yankees, where they didn't get any production out of their big guys and uh, not able to win the game. When I say the big guys, we're talking about Rizzo, Glaber, who was really good uh, in Tuesday's game, not so much last night, Stanton again, and then DJ LeMay. So they're 0 for 15 with 6 Ks. And uh, you can see the frustration starting to set in for Anthony Rizzo now. We talked on yesterday's show, homerless since May 20th. And he comes up in the eighth inning last night after Volpe hits the home run to get them back within one. And you got a man aboard, and it looks like off the bat he gets into one off the end of the bat, and it just dies well short of the warning track. Uh, frustrating for him. Strike out in the sixth inning where he was yelling at himself at the plate. Um, so look, if Aaron Judge is not going to be coming back anytime soon or coming back at significantly less than 100%, at some point, Anthony Rizzo is going to have to get back to the guy he was or closer to the guy he was in April and May. And at some point along the way, Giancarlo Stanton is going to have to wake up and start hitting the baseball and go on one of those hot streaks that we've grown accustomed to seeing from him over the last few years. Well, and I don't know if it's still there with Stanton. So the guy I would focus on is Rizzo. And I almost think that, I mean, Rizzo was off to such an incredible start. He deals with the injury. He has not been the same player since. You wonder, maybe he came back too soon. He's a guy I look at and wonder, you know, will the all-star break help him the four days off and getting to rest a little bit? Can maybe he come back? Because, you know, he he still seems to have that, that smart approach at the plate that you expect from Rizzo. He's just not the same guy when he swings the bat. So I think it's still there with Rizzo. The question for the Yankees, and it's a big one, is, is he going to be able to unlock that? in the next few weeks because they're going to need somebody to carry them through this however long they're without judge right now it's Volpe another home run for him yesterday kid is absolutely incredible they're going to need somebody else to step up at some point because the pitching has been great at Vasquez gave you a really good outing on Wednesday night they call him up for the pitching depth he's there he delivers Brian Cashman knocks that out of the park again just all right who's starting five squirrels innings out of him Great. The bullpen can't be perfect. It's been the best in the league. It can't be perfect. It's going to have nights like you had last night where Ramirez and King, they're just slightly off, and it's enough that loses you a game when your offense can only put up three runs. And I don't know, Boone might tell you that the big hitters did have a couple of hits in this game because he would include Josh Donaldson in that. He would say, well, Donaldson had two hits and yeah. he had a home run. But as we all know, he's not going to be that guy. The Yankees still pretend he is. Rizzo has the chance to be that guy again. It's just a question of when we're going to see it this season. Like, I have no questions about next season. You give him the six months off in between seasons, he'll rest up, he'll be ready to go. Can he get back to what we saw in April this year? They're going to need it, like we said. So uh, sooner rather than later, it would be nice. I mean, look, the pitching is, for the most part, 
carry them quite a bit. Yeah, Volpe's had a good streak here. Bader's been good. He's out of the lineup last night. You mentioned Vasquez. I, I'm trying to figure out, I mean, between him and Johnny Brito, and look, Brito's numbers aren't great. He's made, I think, 11 starts, and he's got ERAs like four and a half or so. But both guys, their numbers at the major league level are better than what they're doing at Scranton. Like, like Randy Vasquez is 2-8 and eight with an ERA north of 5 for the Rail Riders, and he's made three starts now. Yeah, small sample size, but the last two have both been, you know, five-plus innings of scoreless ball. It's like he's, he's pitching to a one ERA, so I don't know if it's the excitement of being up with the big club, if you can give that much credit to the catchers the Yankees have at the big league level with Higashioka and Trevino. Uh, Trevino. Matt Blake seems to do wonders with these lesser-known pitchers, some of these bullpen guys that no one really knew much of that has turned into into productive guys. So I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's amazing to me that these guys, they can reach down and you look at their minor league numbers and you're kind of like, all right, they're not exactly tearing it up down there. These aren't big-time prospects, and they come up and they're able to be effective enough to give the Yanks a chance to win the game. No, it's where you have to give credit to. You mentioned Blake, and I'll throw Boone in there because he's the manager and the catchers, I'm sure they're part of it. These meetings, they just, you know, we joke about how teams will even have pitching strategists in addition to the pitching coaches. Well, it seems like the Yankees know in that department for all the faults you may have with a guy like Brian Cashman, what he does with pitching depth, starting and the bullpen. Yeah. You know, he's missed on some of the guys at the top of the rotation or the middle, like the outside acquisitions, the Sonny Grays over the years, the Frankie Montas, guys like that. What he does with a guy like Randy Vasquez to just call him up, hey, we need five innings from you. If you give up two or three runs, we're happy with that. All right, what if I give up none? Like, what if we, what we plan? And, it, I mean, it's not a nothing lineup. The Orioles have a really good lineup with, uh, you know, in a nine-guy lineup, there are six or seven really good hitters in that order. And they just two and, and two, nothing, three hits. Two of their top prospects up within the last few days. Another one that uh, made his debut last night and had a, an RBI single uh, as part of their attack. So. Right. And, and Westberg did have the big triple, yeah. but that wasn't all Vasquez. Right. And also, was that the ball that Bowers missed? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he, like that should have been a single. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying he should, he's definitely catching the ball, but he completely whiffed on it. Then it gets past IKF. Right. But because IKF is going more to back him up, yeah. then it gets by him. And he had, you know, he, well, also, he's not an outfielder to begin with. So you can't really crush IKF too much on no, that. Yes. It, no. it goes down as a triple because, you know, they didn't touch it. And it, yeah. it, it fell, Fugazi but yeah, that, that should have been a single right. play it on one or two hops, and then there's runners on first and second. Well, interesting spot now tonight for Luis Severino, who's certainly had his struggles. Uh, see if he can give them a representable start and if they can find a way to win this series after taking the first two. And then we're a day away from seeing finally the Carlos Rodon debut as he'll face the Cubs Friday night in the Bronx. Uh, the so- Yankees have as fascinating a two-day run in July from starting pitchers that you could really ever get. I mean, Rodon, listen, it's the first start. Maybe you're not expecting too much from him. I'm sure the Yankees won't. They'll probably ease him in. He's not going to throw more than 75, 80 pitches. But Severino today, this is a big start with the way the Yankees work through the rotation after the rainout in St. Louis where they make sure that Vasquez, they do the bullpen game against St. Louis. So that gives you Vasquez against the Orioles. And I mean, that worked. He did his job. Now this big game, you know, a split here is not going to feel good after you won the first two games right. in the way you did. Severino, with how he's pitched lately, the Yankees want to see something from Severino here. And I think Severino needs to show him, uh, show the team and himself that he's capable of a lot better than we've seen from him in like this three- or four-week stretch. It'll be interesting if and when Nestor Cortez gets himself back, and I know he's 
starting to head in the right direction. I forget if it was throwing off a mound or bullpen session or whatnot, but uh, you'd have to think sooner rather than later, maybe seeing him go out on a rehab start. So at some point they may have a decision on their hands as far as who comes out of the rotation. You got Severino in the conversation, maybe Clark Schmidt because he, of the guys they have in there right now, has the most recent experience of pitching out of the bullpen. Severino's done it before, but Schmidt was basically that guy last year. And Domingo Herman's been good enough that you're probably not removing him. So, and the way they could look at Severino too is if they think you know we're only going to get one or two good innings from yeah. you every time out. He's a free agent after the season. They're not thinking about Severino long term. It won't matter to them how it might affect his value in free agency if they think we have a better shot of getting four or five innings from Clark Schmidt and then asking Severino to go through the order one time. They'll stick him in the bullpen. He won't be happy about it. But with the way he's pitched, like Domingo Herman is not coming out of the rotation, even no. though he's, you know, kind of around the perfect game, had two bad and one mediocre start. I just, I feel more confident in what I've seen from him throughout the entire season from the beginning until where we are now, about to hit the All-Star break. I feel better about what I've seen from Domingo Herman on the whole than what I've seen from Severino. You Agreed, mentioned the yeah. guy who, you know, Clark Schmidt makes the most sense for the bullpen, but even talking about a fourth starter in the postseason, to me, right now, you're going to start planning, is it Severino or is it Nestor, who, assuming when he comes back from the injury yeah, see how his maybe pitches a little is. bit yeah. better. Yeah. But right now, those are the two guys. And it also just really is a testament to how this team is playing. We're talking about, I mean, Cole's been Garrett Cole. But we're talking about Severino and Nestor Cortez having disappointing seasons while Rodon hasn't pitched Right. Yet. Those three have given you very little. And this team is nine games above 500 yeah. with a chance to win a four-game series against the team that is directly ahead of them in their division today. Interesting couple of weeks here. We already mentioned Rodon Friday. You get the Cubs into the All-Star break, and the Yankees will be out west coming out of the break. They've got three in Colorado, and then they get the Angels for three. And we Angels talk, with no Mike Trout yeah. and who knows about Shohei Otani. So, yeah, Otani batted last night, but as far as the pitching goes with the blister, we'll see. They got swept by the Padres. Trout had the surgery. He's out 48 weeks. So, all of a sudden, their situation looks a lot different. Um, so, you know, we'll, they will probably know a lot more about the Yankees when they come back from that trip. It'll be July 21st. They've got the Royals at home and then finishing up Subway Series a couple games with the Mets before going that to Baltimore. Really crazy, and that crazy stretch that Jerry and Sal were talking about uh, the other day on the morning show. After the two games against the Mets, they have that Orioles series, and then you get in, into um, the Rays Astros at, and the Rays yep. and that whole 10 games with three Orioles, three Tampa, four and Astros. four Astros. Yeah. That, I mean, that's... That'll really that, be where that, we find that, as, I mean, for a late July, because that's also right around the trade deadline, too. So that's where we're going to be looking at maybe the Yankees are adding a guy like Bellinger. Maybe they're looking to add another outfielder. That'll happen right in the middle of that Tampa Bay series. And, hey, if you're going to be if you're going to make a run at the AL East, if you're the Yankees, which I still think is very possible, we're in the beginning of July and the Rays have cooled off in a big, big way. That's going to be a huge, pivotal 10-game stretch. Yep, no doubt. All right, I mentioned uh, leading into the first break the situation with the cameraman last night getting hurt at the stadium. We'll dive into that and a couple other uh, potpourri items, as Al Dukes would like to say, uh, on the other side as we steam towards the top of the hour. Jerry and Sal in for Boomer and Geo here on The Fan. We know what we think. What do you think? Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. All right, rolling along here. Warm-up show with CeeLo and Flegelman. We take it to the top of the hour. Jerry and Sal in for Boomer and Geo. Then, 
So we covered the baseball locals, the on-field stuff from last night. You also had this scary situation with the uh, the cameraman at Yankee Stadium last night uh, working for, yes, Pete Stendel, who takes the throw from Gunnar Henderson, the wild throw, and no way for him to see it. He's looking through his camera. Next thing you know, bang, right off the head slash the face. And I, I didn't really see on any of the replays, but apparently the guys that were down field level said like the initial reaction of, I guess, him and his body was pretty scary. It's like a 17-minute delay, and he had to get stretched off the field. But at least on his way out, he's giving you the peace sign and the what is that? Hang like loose? The is, hang that loose what they, yeah. is that yeah? So Cowabunga? Whatever. He was yeah. giving you all kinds of different hand gestures. So uh, good enough to do that. And I did see that uh, you know, they took him to the hospital for tests, and it sounded like everything was stable. So hopefully, all is going to go well there. But was moved by the the reaction and like the outpouring of support not that i mean any not that anyone wouldn't support somebody in that situation but this sounds like this is a, a gentleman that's had quite the impact and the effect as far as knowing people around the league so he also does home games for SNY sounds like he does some studio work i think for CBS Sports Network as well um so you had i mean certainly the Yankee players after the game the Orioles Buck Showalter opened his press conference in Arizona after a huge win for his team, you know, in another time zone in the wee hours of the morning for us here on the East Coast, mentioning this guy. Uh, I know Michael Kay immediately had big things to say about him. So sounds like this guy's had quite the impact uh, in the time he spent around the game of baseball. Yeah, well, you said it making an impact. And clearly the people that work both, you know, with Yes and SNY and all around wherever he is working a lot of events, it sounds like based in, in New York, you know, they have personal relationships with him. He seems like a good guy, I'm sure. Part of the reaction was shock because however many games, I'm sure we'll find out afterwards that he's done in that same spot. Yeah. A, a ball doesn't end up there. You know, maybe even if it does, it's on a foul ball and you might have somehow more, like, you're just maybe more presence of mind to think, all right, when there's a batter at the plate, the ball might be coming this way. I mean, a shortstop, Aaron, and it was such a bad throw, like just horrible. And... Good thing that they took every precaution. That you know, better safe than sorry. They got him out of there. Awesome to see the two hand gestures afterwards. Looks like he's going to be all right. But yeah, it is always you know moving to see how everybody connected with the Yankees and then Buck with the Mets. Like I didn't know about it at first until because I woke up want to watch the Mets spoiler free. Yeah. So I watch it and then I fast forward right to Buck's post game. And when he mentions it, I'm like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Then I go back online and watch videos uh, from the Yankees game. And then seeing everything on Twitter, realizing what happened, and my first thought is, wow, like how how much of an impact, and you know, daily, what I'm sure, you know, conversations every single day when Buck's down on the field before batting practice uh, or during batting practice, they're right there, and just making those kind of connections with managers, the coaching staff, players, just everybody around the game, and it's always nice to see when everybody has positive things to say about somebody because I'm, I'm always of the belief. If there weren't positive things to say, they would say nothing. I, I don't exactly. believe that there, there's this outpouring of love and affection and Buck starting the press conference with it if he didn't care. That shows you that Pete Stendel makes that kind of real impact in these guys' lives. Yeah, I don't think it really would have been on their radar outside of, like, Gunnar Henderson. I'll feel bad for the guy. You know, what else can he say? But, uh, yeah, I mean, members of the Yankees beat— I know Visibly shaken up by it. Justin yeah. Shackle chiming in right, right. away. Right, like and also giving credit to the Yankees they know training staff. And they care about and, Yeah, jumped in right away. So, uh, obviously, he had uh, plenty of support and attention there. And, again, it seems like all is, all is well. So, uh, hopefully, that'll be the case for him long term. You mentioned it being a god-awful throw from Gunnar Henderson. Believe it or not, probably not the worst throw I saw in Major League Baseball last night. I know I know you were maybe didn't catch all the highlights yet. Did you see how the Marlins Cardinals game ended last night? A walk off for the Marlins. 
what's the guy? Uh, I forget his first name. Is it um, is it Jordan Hicks on the Cardinals? Yeah, yeah. The pitcher who's the a reliever flame- who throws yeah. like 103, right. but he doesn't know where it's going. <laughs> right. Well, he didn't throw this one 103, but didn't know where it was going either. You know, comebacker to him, double clutches, and when I say airmails the throw, it wasn't even close on a ball that you know he probably could have like I'm not gonna say walked over to first base. But it was just, it was so, honestly, it reminded me, remember when Chuck Knobloch had the yips thrown at first base with the Yankees, right? And not the only guy, but uh, it looked like that. So I don't know if he has a situation, but it all the way down the right field line, runners were you moving. You could even go with a, a Cardinals example. Now this was throwing towards the plate and not a base, but Rick Ankiel. Yes, that's right. Yeah, forgotten about that. So I, Met, I, mean, I Met feel, legend, Rick Ankiel. <laughs> I felt bad for him, but uh, the Marlins were all kinds of, all sorts of excited walking it off there against the Cardinals The last one thing night, I so. did see last night from all the baseball action, because trying to catch up on as much as I could, yeah. you know, I do. I pull the Eddie sleep from 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. because that's the only way to function while you're doing this yes. shift. The Ellie De La Cruz situation with yeah. the Nationals and his response to it in the following at bat. If you miss it, Ellie De La Cruz... Yeah, the the umpires are checking his bat for something, and I think it was called by the Nationals dugout. Davey Martinez asked the umps to check it, and honestly, they didn't know what MLB's ruling was. It essentially was this like a plastic, maybe soft plastic cap that was going on the bottom, like the knob of the bat for a sensor, I guess, that they used to track some stuff. And they tried to get in touch with MLB to find out if it was legal or not, and there was they didn't want to delay the game. So they had him remove it. Later on, he was able to put it back on, and then that's when he hits the home run. Yeah, well, that's what this, I guess, sensor does is allow him to hit 455-foot <laughs> bombs. And then Ellie De La Cruz, just incredible right after it. So he turns back. Like, we joked about Francisco Alvarez after his uh, home run, when it clears the wall between first and second, he's running backwards to cheer uh, and celebrate point to the dugout. Yeah. Ellie De La Cruz, after hitting this ball, <laughs> launching it, turns around and Points at, looks at the umpire and points to the bat, yeah, you and now suddenly like, you want to check this. <laughs> then flips it up and runs around the bases. That was awesome. Then of course, Davy Martinez complains about it yes. after the game. Listen, if you're gonna pull something like that and check the kid's bat, this incredible dynamic player who we're all having a blast watching, then you got to eat it when he celebrates and shoves it right back in your face. This I the- love seeing that for De La Cruz, Alvarez, yeah. the new generation of baseball. Give me that showmanship. That's something baseball needs. It's not rude. It's not derog- It's nothing. It's they're celebrating themselves, and if you come at them, they're going to send it right back to you. This was the quote from uh, Martinez afterwards. He did start with, I'm not trying to penalize this kid. I'm not. love the way he plays the game, and this is the part you're referencing, though. I didn't like his antics after he hit the home run. We can do without that. He's only got two weeks in the big leagues, but he's going to be a good player. Yeah, his so basically antics. Telling him he's got two weeks in the big leagues, and he's down, better yeah. than anybody that plays for your franchise. Yep, three for six last night. He's hitting 318. He's got uh, four home runs, 14 RBIs, 11 stolen bases in 26 games. So he's done quite a bit. He's one of those guys that's got all the tools. I mean, it's especially the the Reds. I think it was the Reds put out sort of the the side angle zoom in of the home run and you hear the ball off the bat and then just seeing the reaction from him, that was where they had the close up of him basically turning it. Imagine how that must feel, right? I mean, I know these guys know when they get one, but, but like, you're going up, after they check the bat, he's going up. He wants to hit the yeah. ball 455 oh, right. feet. Well, that probably, yeah, trying to do it, then executing that, and then basically not even watching the flight of the ball after maybe, I don't know, a right. second. Right, knowing you hit it so well that, I'm gonna like, just turn that ball's going even, a mile. Yeah, I don't I'm even gonna have to watch. I'm going to turn my yeah. back to the play <laughs> and point at my bat to show up the umpires, but really a message to the Nationals dugout.
Yeah, I, I would I would say so. So he he definitely had the last laugh there, but uh, that was kind of interesting to see. The other thing before we get to our, I'll squeeze this in quickly here because we're going to run out of time quickly. I'm not, I, I, and I guess we'll have to wait and see how it all comes together, and I guess they're going to reveal more of the details um, coming up uh, uh, this weekend with this NBA in-season tournament. I don't quite understand how it all is going to work, but they, I guess, announced or it got got out to Woj that the final four of said tournament is going to be in Las Vegas on December 7th. I mean, everything seems to be in Vegas now. That's, that is like the epicenter of all the big-time sporting events. But I'm unclear, like, are we getting a... Like, are these games going to count as part of the 82? Now they're saying the stats are going to count for the regular season, but not for the championship game. So that leads me to believe that the games leading up to the championship game are going to be part of the regular season schedule, no? Well, because up to a certain point, every team's going to play the same number of games before then you get to the knockout round. Listen, the whole thing to me is weird. Like, I'm a basketball fan. I'm a Knicks fan. I want the Knicks to win their first NBA championship in my lifetime. What we're not going to do, and I hate because you know it'll happen, and whichever team wins, the fans are going to celebrate and try to have fun. If the Knicks ever win this thing, I do not care. It does not matter. <laughs> right, right. It is not real. We're not. They're not going down the Canyon of Heroes because they won the NBA in-season tournament, and on they when they fly back to New York on December 11th or 12th. We're celebrating them like they're champions. Meanwhile, they're 500 in the midst of a season that is going who knows where. I, I This in, in-season tournament is a joke. I want no part of it. I don't care about it. And I already know it's going to bother me when we have people calling up in December and when we start covering it. Maybe not us at the radio station, but in New York in general, like it's something that actually matters. It does not. There's one champion in each sport at the end of the season, the I, real season. I haven't one. looked into all the details. I imagine this is about putting more money, not of course only in is. the league's pocket, but the players' Listen, pocket. I don't care so, if the Knicks you know. go undefeated in this tournament. If they win, if they have a second-round exit in the real playoffs in May yeah, or no June. no one cares about the playing. Yeah, right. They're not playing. I, the I don't ever want to see a banner up. I'll say this. If they put up no, a banner in the garden. No, they're not going to do that. NBA in-season no. tournament, I'm never stepping foot in the building again. I don't I don't think they're going to do that. I think that, I, listen, say what you want I, about James Dolan. Say think, what you want about think James Think about Dolan. the way these teams act. Yeah. Uh, the Colts I, have a, you know, we got our asses handed to us in a playoff game by the Patriots <laughs> a banner up there. You know, Mets have wild card berth. Look, we made the playoffs in 2016. We didn't score a run. Don't you want to pat us on the back? Yeah, I guess. So, Stranger so whoever things wins have that tournament this year, they're going to celebrate it. They're going to acknowledge it. The players are going to act like it's a real accomplishment. It's not. All right. Well, there you go. Fleegs is fired up about the uh, the in season tournament. It's just it's strange to me, but I guess we'll find out a little bit more about the specifics coming up uh, Saturday uh, out there in Las Vegas. Right now, I've got to step aside. Come back a couple of minutes to wrap it up before Sal and Jerry take over with the morning show in for Boomer and Geo. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, just a couple minutes left here as Al, or not Al, Jerry and Sal, rather, have both entered the studio. So, Jerry, to my left here, when I came in this morning at about 3.45 or so, and I always like to come into the studio and get logged into the computer here, get my headphones set up, get my little uh, microphone condom set up here and turned on, open up uh, Google page so I'm all set to go. Uh, I opened the uh, the Google Chrome browser here, Oh, I here, think Jerry. I know where this is going because yeah. I think it's going to tie in directly <laughs> to a story Jerry told about an open Google search okay. on a podcast last yeah. night. Oh, is that? I right, see or now. I figured this was just what was left over from you did it with Gal with our good buddy Gal. Yeah. Right. So here it was. Near uh, one in ten men have curved penis syndrome, yeah. but suffer in silence. <laughs> and I said, right. oh. 
Okay. So Guess I don't have to listen to the to the five of us here. There's now. five people over at CBS I'm Sports out, Radio. Well, just even the five here. One Who here. has the curved penis? It was one in ten. So out of the five of us, we could be clear, oh, but that means either Bilotti or Morash or Bogish or Jacqueline. Someone's got a penis that's going the wrong way. <laughs> now, one curved, curved penis and then at least four bald heads out of the ten, because I don't know who the tenth person is. This could be a curve in any direction or yeah, listen. I think I, now I, we know it's CeeLo. I like, read the article verbatim. I did not uh, inject any opinion. Too embarrassed to seek help? Yeah, if you re- it's actually uh, a horrific uh, issue, as you can imagine, as you read on. And it's something that's very painful and oh, happens okay. more so in your 50s. Hello. Oh. Uh, so we shall see. This is a so real, I mean, it changes so it was, over time. It hasn't always been curved. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not something. It's something that happens usually during injuries, um, during sex. Oh boy, Sal's got another thing now. He's going to be worried about as he goes yeah. through life. <laughs> yeah, still out. I've been married for seven years with a newborn. It's still out. You ain't in your fifties. You got taught, the average age is fifty-seven, if I remember the All article. Right, so I shouldn't be laughing about it. Ties this. into no. a really good old fan story that Jerry told about finding an open computer yeah. and Google search back in the Astoria days. So go get, listen to yesterday's post game podcast. Oh, I'm not sure I know about that. Look no, at that tease. Probably, I got to listen to that now. Probably before you, I would think. All right. But I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I was. Uh, when did you start? Spring of two thousand seven. Yeah, before you. All right. WFAN, WFAN FM, WFAN FM HD1, New York, always live on the free Odyssey app.